This is part 7 on 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-17, and we'll focus on Paul's, you could call it a wish directed towards God, or you could call it a prayer. After he has told them to stand firm and to hold the traditions built on this great reality of being loved by God, chosen by God, for salvation, through sanctification, by the Spirit, and faith, with the possession of the glory of God, built on all that, stand now, having given them that foundation, having given them that command to stand firm, he prays it into reality. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. And here comes the prayer. May he comfort your hearts and establish them, just like this, stand firm, comfort them and establish them, not passively to stand there with their arms folded, in every good work and word which I think is another way of saying you're going to be saved through sanctification. You're going to be saved through these good works, through this word. Now, Father, I pray that as we ponder this for just a few minutes, you would help us see how prayer relates to commands and how you are the decisive doer in our comfort. You are the decisive doer in our being established. You're the decisive doer in our doing of every good work, because that's what Paul is pleading for. So show us how to pray with him for ourselves and others like this. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me point out a parallel that intrigues me, provokes me. I don't have all the answers. In fact, I don't have most of the answers. So notice, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort, do this. Look back in 1 Thessalonians 3. We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. This is the very same kind of wish or prayer, the same word himself, the same grammatical structure here, and yet it's reversed in order. Our God and Father himself, followed by Lord Jesus, and here is, now may our Lord Jesus himself and God our Father. So that's what I don't know the answer to. I commend that to you for your reflection. Why there would the Father be mentioned first in the prayer and hear the Lord be mentioned first when the structure is very similar? But what I think I do see is by underlining himself, the Lord himself here, and the Father himself here, the contrast is what with what went just before. We pray earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and we may supply what is lacking in your faith. Pause. 
But now may God the Father himself, not we, but the Father himself and Jesus direct our way to you. It's, it's like this himself is, I know that we have things we want to do with you, but it's God himself who will do the decisive thing to get us there. And here, he's just said, stand firm, hold to the traditions that you were taught either by a spoken word or by letter from, from us, our letter. And then he says, now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself, not what we can do by speaking, not what we can do by writing a letter, but may the Lord Jesus Christ become the decisive cause of your comfort. Yes, he may use our words. He may use our letter, but he pleads for the Lord himself to do the decisive comforting. Now ponder this. May our Lord Jesus Christ, so he underlines the authority of Jesus Christ, and he underlines the love of the Father. He could have said the, uh, Jesus Christ, the one who loved us, but he said, God the Father who loved us. So he underlines the love of the Father, the authority and lordship of Jesus to get this comfort done. Now, how does this decisive past tense loved relate to the doing of this comfort here? He loved us. He gave us. Why those past tenses? Probably because the Father sent the Son to do the decisive once-for-all work on the cross to purchase and secure the eternal comfort and the good hope. Wouldn't you agree that this eternal comfort here is not our subjective experience of the comfort? That's here. That's what he's praying for. I want you, Father, and I want the Lord Jesus to comfort them in their hearts. This is what was purchased on the cross when he decisively loved us and decisively gave the gift to us objectively for us to unpack now by the doing of the Lord Jesus. Notice the same noun. Eternal comfort is the verb that he uses here. So that's my understanding of the relationship between comfort here and comfort here. The Father loved decisively once for all in the cross of Christ, and he decisively secured and gave over to his bride or the bride of Christ, his elect. We have objectively an eternal comfort. We have objectively a good hope. And now because that is given to us, secured for us by the love of God in the cross, now he prays, oh God, do it. Do it. Cause the objective comfort to become a subjective experience in the heart. May he comfort your heart. That is so important because that's the way we should pray, right? We should look at objective love. He really did love us in the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. He really did 
secure for us and gave us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It includes everlasting comfort. It will never, ever fail us. It will never cease to be there. It is always there for us. And so is good hope. That is, this is an objective reality out there, like our hope is to win the game. That's different than saying, I feel hope that we will win the game. This is the objective reality of hope. And now those two objective realities, he prays into subjective heart reality. That's the way we live. That's the way we pray. We say, God, this is what you bought for me. This is what your love secured for me. And now would you comfort my heart and establish it? And let me end by saying, the comfort that we have, the restful, peaceful, strengthening comfort in Jesus Christ from God the Father, taking away all fear and all guilt and making us strong in hope and strong in comfort, that's the foundation for every good work. We don't work out of a sense of desperately trying to find comfort. We don't work out of a sense a sense of trying to get ourselves loved. We don't work out of a sense of trying to win over this eternal comfort. We work because this prayer has been answered. We wake up in the morning, we go to God, we remind ourselves of this love and this gift and this eternal reality and this good hope, and then we pray down this subjective heart confidence and we enter our day pursuing good works out of that strength. And I'll end by drawing it back here. That is the path along which we attain salvation. That faith in that eternal comfort and that good hope purchased by Jesus is the means by which this sanctification or these good works come to pass and lead to salvation full in the end.